Now, let's make the transition from a guy that knows how to, to pick up those sort of eccentricities out of characters and turn them into these fascinating vignettes. And then in a, in a film like Dead Heat, where you're going to take a character, play him, how does the one contribute to the other, or do you have to shut down what you learned on the one and start over on the other? You know, it's a very interesting question, because I, I think before Dead Heat, I, I, I was known mostly for doing characters and characters and characters, and, and which I will continue to do because it's my strength, and most of all, I enjoy it. Well, you're good at it. But when I got the script for Dead Heat, which I turned down a, a number of times, only because it, it, there's too much, there's a lot of graphic violence in it, and they, they promised me there wasn't going to be graphic violence in it, and I, I mean, I mean that as a cop out because I went into the film assuming they'd do it anyway. <laughs> oh, they did. I see. The Hollywood promise, you know. And yeah, it's, like, it is. <laughs> it's like yeah, we love you, babe. It'll be great. No graphic, no problem. No blood, no guts. Don't worry, babe. Come on, make the film. And not that red, what's that dead zombie doing? Don't worry about it, Joe, baby. Fine. Don't think. Don't think. <laughs> So, What's all that red stuff there? <laughs> marinara sauce. Don't worry. <laughs> but the one good thing about Mark Goldblatt, the director, is that, Joe, we're digging you for what you are. We dig you're working out. You know, we, we, we appreciate how hard you're working to keep yourself in shape. Let's yep. try to showcase that in film. And, of course, the ego is, why, that's a fun idea. I like that a lot. And so they said, all right. So we went ahead and I did it. And then I think, if you've seen the film, yes. like, I wasn't in a lot of the bloody, bloody parts. I think they, like, hit it from me, you know. Here comes Joe. Get, get the blood out of here. Get the zombies out of here. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. Boy, do we have a special episode for you. Brad, I've been... This is coming out late, but there's a reason for it, right? True. We have a very special... What is, what is, what is that reason, Troy? We, we have special guests. We, we, we lined this out, and we had to get um, some folks back that were recently on a Breaking Bad episode. Do you, so, so do you want to introduce our guests? Yeah, we have Freddie and Amy from the 17-year-old podcast, Night of the Living Podcast. Congratulations on 17 years. You're almost legal. That's almost true. Almost there. <laughs> what did Everybody you with their countdown website. Yeah, the countdown website is going <laughs> barely legal. What, did you guys do anything there. special for your 17-year uh, birthday, mm -hmm. I guess? I mean, we hung out. We yeah. ate food together. That's pretty much all we do. Andy, we hang out. Andy will usually bake something this year. Andy went and picked up beautiful cupcakes. Yeah. We oh. sat around. We laughed. We talked about memories. Played riff tracks. Game. Mm. Yeah. Riff tracks is pretty fun. It is fun. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's it's a game, though, that uh, after playing, I know I can't run for office anymore, especially if they're recording any of that stuff. <laughs> NDAs <laughs> must be signed. Yes, mm -hmm. NDAs. Well, the filth. Uh, Amy, so you, yeah. this is your second time with us, but really it's your yeah. first time on the main show. Troy, should we, should we tell people what movie we're actually talking about? Well, I was going to do that after the questions, but go ahead. No, okay. Go ahead. Well, we're talking about 1988's uh, Dead Heat, but I think the better name is Iron Cops. Yes. Which is yeah. what it's known in the Philippines. Yeah, this that was my pick. It doesn't make any damn sense, does it? But it's uh, better. It's better. I, it to yeah. makes total sense. What are you guys talking about? 
Okay, we're going to get to that. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. But yes, this was my week's pick. <laughs> and uh, since it's a zombie cop film, we're like, well, we got to have the NOTLP crew here, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm real curious about what Amy thought. Like, I, I said the movie we're watching. I had is never dead. heard of this. And I was like, I didn't tell her anything, right? Oh, she went blind, thought- huh? For yeah. a second, I was like, is it that one movie with Kathleen Turner? And then Freddie was like, no. That's Body Heat. It's Body Heat. It's I very, was like, okay. It's very similar, so, though. Yeah. <laughs> there's, so there's, I was not prepared. Yeah. But there's a, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of similarities. We'll get to that one, too. <laughs> okay. But this is what I'm excited about. So anytime yes. we get somebody on, we, we like to ask some questions. For, okay. for you know the audience to get to know you a little bit and level set you know where you're coming from from a movie perspective oh okay okay so these questions have been specifically picked and designed by brad and myself for you so your questions are different okay. than the questions that we even asked freddie so highly he, curated yes he has scientific. no idea mm-hmm. scientific so i'm going to start with the mm-hmm. first one are you ready all right yeah. okay here we go it's, this is a softball question it's really easy okay what is your favorite movie of all time? Why does that so difficult all of a sudden? <laughs> like, what is my favorite? That's hard, Jaws. That feels like I'm just taking Freddie's answer, but it's the movie I've seen the most and is I still that, enjoy it. It's your favorite? Really? It's just the easiest to say. What's the one that came to mind that you were like, no, I can't say that because something came to mind. Well, no. You're like Serbian film is my favorite. You <laughs> <laughs> and Centipede. Used, I really like that one. <laughs> you guys, it's called Martyrs. No, um, <laughs> it's because I'm used to answering what my favorite horror movie. Yeah, well, then I and mean, so it doesn't the first, have to be the horror first thing movie. that came to mind was Night of the Living Dead, um, the uh, original. Yeah, um, but I don't know if that's like my favorite favorite movie. Pacific Rim. Can we be real? I freaking <laughs> loved it. it. I was okay. gonna say I knew there was like <laughs> there was a more genuine answer in, in you than Jaws in Pacific Night of the Rim. Dead. I it's like Pacific Rim. Okay. What do you think about mm-hmm. the sequel then? I've not seen it. What? Uh, hold on. Pacific that's your favorite film and you haven't watched the sequel. I know. It's well, it it came at a time in my life I was busy. I don't know. I don't remember. And <laughs> I could see um, why you wouldn't want to see it in a way. Got bad reviews. Okay. And I was like, I don't need to ruin my love affair. That's fair. Yeah, Amy, she loved yeah. the first Transformers movie too, but didn't watch. The I was sequels. ready to join the army after Transformers. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> you and Shia were going to go yep. out against those Decepticons. All right, whatever I had to do. I love it. Okay, Brad, you got the second question. All right, what was the first scary movie you remember seeing in the theater? Um. Straight up Jurassic Park is one I, I remember um, uh, being too scared as a kid and leaving the theater. Oh. Because dinosaurs are scary. Tremors is another one I remember leaving. But my babysitter would play, oh my God, I saw Psycho and Predator when I was like five. Um, oh, nice. So let's go with those. Psycho, I'll say. So Jurassic Park, do you remember the scene where the, where you just lost it and they had to take you out of the to the movie theater? I don't remember. That's, I guess, the first time I remember leaving a theater, like being too scared. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I was probably halfway into the movie, and I was like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> They're too so, big and scared. <laughs> how old were you? Were you like 12, 13? When did or that come like? out? Ninety three. Ninety three. I would have been thirteen. 13? Um, what a pussy. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it's funny you bring up Jaws because I remember um, the first movie that I had to be taken out of because I was too scared was Jaws. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And it was specifically when they lower Richard Dreyfus into the water and oh, the, in the cage. cage. In the cage. And as soon as that shark attack, I lost it. So my dad had to miss the last part of Jaws because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Scary. It's oh, scary. Your dad missed scary. the best part of the film. I know. Yeah. He's seen it since, so we're good. Um, best part of the film when you think Cooper's dead. Uh, no. I, uh, oh, I had a thought. It went away. Never mind. We're good. Everything's fine. <laughs> we're back on track? <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. All right. I got the next question for you. Here we go. So you, you, you run a, a podcast, Night of the Living Podcast. Um, I run it. Which is, you know, a callback to Night of the Living Dead. So obviously mm-hmm. we have to ask you a zombie question. Uh-huh. All right. So do you prefer running zombies, shuffling zombies, or zombies who just move at a moderate pace? Hmm. So running zombies like 28 days uh, later or something like that. You're you're plotting the ones like Night of Living Dead, the original one. Yeah. Yeah. And what's in the middle? Like Return of Living Dead? I don't know. I'd say Return of the Living Dead are running zombies. They're running. I can't remember. I don't to know me, why that's I don't know. Like where my brain. Is there, are we going to start subdividing the running zombie into sub? I think he did it. Like, what's, he what are Dawn, it. what's Dawn of the Dead? Do they they uh, kind of those, run, but well, those, those are more shuffling. Well. Yeah. Yeah. This is more of like the, well, speaking okay. of uh, Dawn of the Dead, if you found a zombie that You've seen those people at malls who do like the walking around the malls, mm-hmm. like on power, power, walkers. Walkers. power walkers. walkers. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it would I guess dead heat? Okay. You've got zombies that walk at a moderate yeah. pace, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're just trying to get their steps in. My yeah. preference is Ooh, that the 20, slowest. Ten thousand steps is important. <laughs> Even when you're, it's it's encoded in your brain and doesn't die with you. Um, I want the slowest zombies. Like that's my preference. You it's mean the ones I can get away from, or as entertainment? Oh, that's part ooh, important to know too, right? Almost as entertainment too, because the fast ones can sometimes I can get too in my head about how I would never survive this. It's too much, you know. Okay. Is I always look at a room of people and I'm like, okay, I know I'm not the slowest person here, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. be the first one to die. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing we have to start thinking about in this country. Um, anytime you're anywhere. Mm, and no. um, didn't mean to do that. Sorry. <laughs> it leaks in. Uh, it always I does. Think yeah. I like the, the shuffling ones because I think it, like thriller zombies, like that's, that's spooky. They're usually the more rotten ones. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I think, I think the shuffling zombies have a creep factor. Yeah. That you don't get with the running zombies. Yeah. They probably smell real bad. Yeah, that's true. I've right. always heard it described as the terror is that it's an inevitable creep creeping. Yeah. Doom. And that's why that's always been the argument for the slow zombies is because yeah. it doesn't matter that they're not fast. They're still going to get either you. way. Yeah. 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 It's like the, it follows factor. Yeah. Oh ooh, yeah. Good point. All right, Brad. All right. Next one. What movie do you love that? You know, your husband hates and you force <laughs> him to watch. Do I force you to watch anything? Real Housewives. Um, <laughs> a movie that I love that I know Freddie hates. Do you need help? Yeah. 
Because I would say the last time I remember you really liking a movie that I didn't like was the second Charlie's Angels movie. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, God. Jose is <laughs> losing his mind right now. He loves Full Throttle more than anything. Oh, that's Amy loves Full Throttle, too. I have a, my our friend Fozzie, uh, Fozzie Bear. Yeah. Um, is also uh, uh, Charlie's Angels too. Um, I want to get you three in a room and just yeah. watch you guys go at it. It's just physically it's the and style. mentally. <laughs> it's the style, the flash, the ridiculousness, the outfits, the, motor the hair. Yes, uh, I forgot about that part too. The mo- oh my I'm god, a- I forgot the I- motorcross part. Yeah, yeah. You may, you may convert me if I watch it now, but we saw, when we saw in the movie theater, we had the opposite reactions leaving. Wow. I, I just remember that where I was like, oh, God, that was so unwatchable. And she was in Jose goes, Jose goes on and on. And, and I'm sure at some point we'll tackle it. But the newer Charlie's Angels movie that I Elizabeth thinks in. Okay. I didn't know yeah, how that ranked. In. I don't know. He likes it, though. He said, oh, my God. He loves oh, that yeah. thing. Loves the it. new the new one. I haven't yes. seen it either. I I, none yeah. of us have seen it. So, yeah. Huh. Maybe one of these days. Okay. Sit down. Okay. Last question. What yeah. is your favorite movie bomb that you would recommend to everybody? Guys, I'm not real good with this stuff. I don't retain this sort of knowledge. I mean, I loved the second X-Files movie. Does that count? Mm. <laughs> Was that a bomb? Yo, I think critically, so. Did you yes. see another one? Yes. Did you see another movie? What, was, Men at, was Men at Work a bomb or was that a, a, a successful <gasps> I movie? I loved Men at Work. Oh, the Emilio, Emilio Estevez. Estevez. Oh my gosh. That's I, don't, a... I don't know how that performed. Ooh, do I love, I love Men at Work more than I loved, I want to believe, the second X-Files movie. But. Yeah, and I kind of feel like. I don't know like, if it was, if it know if it was a bomb. That's Let's a good see. question. Um, I know, Amy, that you watch a lot of riff tracks, right? Oh my God. We were just watching some before we came on here. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Men at Work, $9 million budget, $16 million box office. So, But we are looking at a 32% with critics. So yeah, maybe that a might critical be bomb? Critical bomb. That is yeah. a critical bomb. Okay. We'll take so it. Okay. What's your threshold? Uh, do you guys have a, a set criteria sure for the do. show? We yeah. make <laughs> shit up as we go, man. It doesn't matter. Okay. It's cool. written down. <laughs> if you don't have it written, there's not a spreadsheet. It's nice to have that flexibility. We've done movies that we go, look, this bombed in the U.S. because it played in three theaters. But internationally, it made a billion dollars. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. We, I think that counts. And we we're just like, hey, levels. we're just going to talk about Dragons Forever because it's Jackie Chan. So, you know, there's yeah, also and, that, too. Yeah, there's that. And there's no way a Jackie Chan movie ever bombed. So <laughs> I have not watched a Jackie Chan movie in so long. Freddy. His name. I know his name has come up frequently. Because he, they, you know, they mention him. We watch a lot of riff tracks and they mention him a lot. But um, and you know, you, I know, and you, you know, Troy, yeah. and there. every time you're around Troy, and, and, and I'm just like, God, I just feel like maybe popping on Rumble in the Bronx soon and just uh, enjoying because oh, that was like my yes. first real uh, go to bed at night, my first love affair with with Jackie Chan. Oh, it's so Rumble good. in the Bronx. Hey, hey, hey yeah. look, the Shop Factory has done two sort of greatest hits volumes on Blu-ray, Volume One and Two when they're on sale, catch them. Cause they're, they actually pulled some good stuff. So yeah. especially the second one's got a lot of his stuff like armor of God, city hunter, uh, which my whole entire family will have city hunter. So, so I, that's like one of their favorite views. That armor of God, he fights a bunch of monks, Freddie. You would like that. Yes. Yeah. Amy, I feel like Amy would like, I don't think you've seen a lot of Jackie Chan movies. No, right? probably just, um, 
the ones with Chris Tucker. What are those? Oh, the Rush, Rush Hour, Hour movies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, really Troy. Jackie, those are fun movies, but they're not really Jackie Chan movies. Like, Well, yeah, I, I get that. To me, I like his like more... I like the stuff that's more like 80s. Yes, 80s and early 90s. Just nothing compares to it. Okay, yeah. this is digressing. Um, yeah, we're here to talk about <laughs> zombies and specifically zombies that have somehow joined uh, the police department and are solving <laughs> crimes. So uh, Brad had mentioned the movie this week is is Dead Heat. It's from 1988, directed by Mark Goldblatt. One of the things that we do at the beginning of the show is Brad kind of puts us in a time machine and we try and figure out like when this thing came out, how did it do? What was the reception of it? And then why do we think it bombed? So let's, let's have Brad give us some information and then we'll talk about some of the people who made it or starred in it. And then we'll put our, our detective hats on and, and try and figure out like, why, why was this not a hit? So Brad, you want to, you want to start with the numbers? Yeah, so released May 6th of 1988 with an unknown budget. Don't not reported budget here. Box hmm. office return is 3.58 million dollars. That's all domestic. Um but we are going to lean on the critical response to why it is on a show called Not a Bomb because it sits at an 11% with the critics <laughs> and only a 49% with the audience. That's with with over 5,000 reviews. So yeah, we're looking at half the audience and you, you can infer that it was a box office bomb because they had plans for a sequel, but because it didn't perform uh, well, they, yes. they said no sequel. We're not yes. putting more money on this. Well, wasn't there like the issue that they were like, everyone's dead at the end of the movie too. <laughs> and the writers were like, we don't want a sequel. Sort of a problem. Yeah, but the studio came back and was like, you have a resurrection machine figured right, you out. You gotta bring them back to life. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't perform very well, so they didn't wanna they didn't want to throw any money at it. Yeah. And so opening weekend, it comes in fifth place with a total of one point six six seven million dollars. And it gets beat by films like Colors, Beetlejuice. Oh, that's a good movie. Oh, that's a great movie. <gasps> yeah. Uh Shakedown Salsa. And then we have our film today, Dead Heat. Shakedown was a Dead good Heat film. was above the law. So yeah, Shakedown was uh, <laughs> Peter Weller and Sam Elliott. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember that movie. Oh, it's fun. He's an attorney it's and like a cop. Yeah, it's a fun little action film. Yep. This is quite a cop-heavy uh, top five here. Yeah. That's Six, okay. Even with above the law. <clears throat> and films you could have seen in May of 1988. We have. Stormy Monday, Two Moon Junction, um, Nightmare, or I'm sorry, Nightmare, <laughs> Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, oh. Willow. Okay, I'm going to give you two choices. You tell me which film made more money, Crocodile Dundee 2 or Rambo 3. Which one made more money? Oh, boy. Two, um, Crocodile I, Dundee. I feel like Rambo 3 would have, but I feel like it, the surprise is that it's not Rambo 3. <laughs> I, I think okay, that's, yes. yeah, there you that's go. That's a good logic. Yeah. Uh, Crocodile <laughs> Dundee made $240 million. What? Rambo Rambo 3 made 188. $2, $240 million in 1988 money. Yeah, that's was, was like half a billion money. dollars. It's like $7 billion. Yeah. Um, that's practically an Avatar movie. <laughs> 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 
It, no, you're not far off. Jeez. I mean, it's not far. That's stupid. And what was one going last, on these? One last film that I need to bring up. Uh, not theatrical release. Well, it was, but it made. It says no money, but I don't think that's right. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. For <gasps> oh, yeah. That's a terrifying film. Mm. Terrifying film. <laughs> <laughs> That one's giving nightmares. It's got Mr. Big in it from I'm gonna get you sucker. It does. Yeah. Oh, it does. yeah. Yes. Uncle yeah. Uncle Mr. Big. Uh so we want to talk about the people who made the film, Brad. Sure. Okay. Just a few names. What if I said no? Will we just like skip it? <laughs> yeah, we just ah. yeah, we'll, we'll skip it if you want. I don't care. Oh, Can we fine. give them just nicknames and yeah, go from there? There you go. Uh, so this, this is a short list behind the camera. So we'll start with director Mark Goldblatt. So he's only made two films. We've talked about one of them already, and that's the Punisher, uh, the Dolph Lundgren film back Ooh, in Dolph 1989. Lundgren, yes. Yeah. So go back to episode 106. And that's when we talk about this director. Cause he, he only has from a credit perspective, two films in one episode of Erie, Indiana, the TV series back in 1992. Now, that's it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What he's known for though. So Mark is, is sort of a staple in the industry. He's not known more. He's not known as a director. He's known more as an editor. Mm-hmm. So here are the movies that he's worked on just to sample. Right. And I tried to go back and, and just look at the films that we've actually talked about. So here you go. This list is pretty long. Uh, uncredited editor on 2010s, the Wolfman, which we've talked about. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yep. He was an editor on Exorcist The Beginning in 2004, which we talked about. Uh, Showgirls, 1995, he yeah. was the editor. What? Which we talked about. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, Predator 2 from 1990, which has been on the show, and we've talked about. And well, Not uh, on our show, on someone else. Was that on ours or someone else's? I think <laughs> no, that, that was, was ours. That was ours, yeah. <laughs> now, the one that was on somebody <laughs> well, else's show. Someone else came on to our show to talk about Yes, yes, yes. But this one we went to. So the next one I'm going to list is we went to somebody else's show, primarily The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, and talked about this film, which I think, Brad, you and I gave a 10. Uh, Enter the Ninja from 1981. He was he was uh, editor on that one. You know why we gave it a 10, Troy? Because it's amazing. Because it's a goddamn perfect great movie. movie. (laughs) Enter the Ninja. Well, first off, the Punisher that you referenced in there. I don't think Amy, you didn't know that movie existed till last night, right? No, like I feel like I walked into a parallel universe of all this new knowledge. Yeah. So this is like I was like this one. I feel like you'd like that Punisher movie because it's 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 actually pretty good. And then the other thing is the um, what you just said about what was the very last one you just said? Enter the Ninja. The Enter the Ninja. That's another one that like the all, the whole Amy missed the entire Ninja I did, craze. I'm sorry. Growing up. Why are you oh. telling everybody that? No, this is Amy. I'm so excited for you because you get to experience all this for the first time. I mean, all of us are sitting here going, "We yeah. wish we were Amy," because Enter the Ninja uh, for seeing it for the first time is going to blow your mind. It's going to change your life. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So there's another. She's seen a few ninja movies now, but I not. Know what odd ninja shit. She knows, like, <laughs> Miami Connection. I know Miami oh. Connection. There. Dragon Sound? You into Dragon yeah. Sound? Dragon Sound. Nice. Okay. A couple other names. Mm-hmm. Stunt coordinator, Dan Bradley. I think that name's going to be important when we talk about the film. Now, he has been on the show, too, because. Back in episode 111, we talked about Top Dog with Chuck Norris, and he did stunts on that film. Mm. And uh, now he's he's actually got some pedigree. And to just give you an example, he was the stunt coordinator on 2003's Cradle to the Grave with Jet Li and DMX. So the DMX. guy knows what he's doing, oh, right? Okay. 
okay, AKA I remember that Earl name. Simmons. Yeah. Now this is another name that we've talked about uh, for a couple. Well, one big episode in particular. Makeup effects creator and makeup effects designer Steve Johnson. So this is a pretty important name. We refer- referenced him back on episode fifty when we talked about Big Trouble in Little China from nineteen eighty six. Uh, he was the makeup effects designer for a little film we talked about on episode 25, Solar Babies, which also yeah. came out in 1986. But a, just another couple of films to give you an idea of his pedigree. Um, he did special makeup effects on Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master and a film that I just recently discovered. Didn't even know this existed, but our good friend Randy um, picked this when we, we celebrate his birthday. He's like, I want to show you this film. 1993's Freaked. He was a special makeup effects designer and creator. Has have, have you guys seen Freaked? Yes. Yeah, Alex Winter. Exactly. What yeah. an amazing I didn't know film. that existed until Andy was like, "Hey, there's this movie," and I was like, "What?" Yeah. Well, the funny part is, we you, just watched you, that for our show. You worked at, at Blockbuster. I know. I don't always when, read everything that I see. Well, yeah, it was, we had one <laughs> copy of Freaked when we worked at Blockbuster, and I don't think it was um, just nobody, something. Yeah, it was always out. And um, that's how long ago this was. But like, I remember they had like that MTV show that was the sketch comedy show that was either at the same time or right before Freak that got was all wrapped up in the same stuff. It was like the same group of people making them. Oh, okay. They had, they had their own thing, kind of like the state. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't remember the exact name. If you look him up, Alex Winter, you'll find it in his early career. Oh, we're we're but- definitely at some point going to talk about this film. <clears throat> this is a new uh, classic, in my opinion. Um, it just blew my mind. Great. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about some people in front of the camera, starting with Treat Williams. Is anybody a Treat Williams fan here? I am. Can you be? I mean, it feels like saying, <laughs> I love oxygen. It's great. <laughs> well, he's just there. Yeah. like He's just there. How about some nice vanilla ice cream? Right. Uh, he, he, you know, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say there, no. Okay, like, Freddie. There's I, better flavors. I am a Treat Williams fan, but there's a specific film for me. Do you, I don't know about you. I love Deep Rising, but uh, that's just one of like I like a lot of Treat Williams. But actually, I even have to look at his IMDb page. In fact, he's even but, his wallpaper on his iPad. In fact, he has Treat Williams socks. He has. <laughs> I have the Treat Williams underwear. It's really it's just white. <laughs> Are you talking about the one, the only Xander Drax from the Phantom Troy? No, but oh. so it's funny. He had an interesting career in the '80s. He's in stuff like Prince of the City and Once Upon a Time in America. But I, I got to tell you, the the movie that made me sort of go, oh, who's this guy? Because he's fantastic, is Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead from 1995. He plays That's this like, psychotic, I don't know, like hitman. Is that, that is Andy Garcia? Andy Garcia. It okay. is. Yeah. Um, he, his performance in that is amazing. It's one of the best of the 90s, in my opinion. He's so good in that. It's been so long since I saw that. I, I saw it when it came out. That was the last time. I'll have to go back and revisit. revisit. Maybe uh, Mr. Williams has more to offer than I realized. I, I, uh, I think you do. Once Upon yeah. a Time in America is another really good one. He'd said that. Yeah. Uh, oh, you said that already. Yeah. What Prince, am I saying? Yeah. And Prince Prince of the City. He's good in that. Um, Prince of the City. I actually, I don't know if you remember the series. So it started out with Tom Berenger, The Substitute. But then the three sequels that came after, Treat Williams played the substitute teacher or whatever that vigilante. Oh, that's right. And and those are fun films. I mean, the varying degree of quality, but (laughs) (laughs) that was like a whole subgenre back then of the school administrator fighting back. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wouldn't you know, fly like, today. <laughs> no, no, I think you're about to have some of those. Yeah, in real life, for true. You know who reminds me? Of, like Colin, what's his name again? Who was in the? Freddie said the most insane thing when we were watching Colin Dead Farrell. That's that Treat Williams reminds him of Colin Farrell, and or I vice don't versa. understand how to process that. Really? I, Maybe yeah. it's like the American version? I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely not like it's it's really mannerisms. Like <laughs> okay. if you watch like some of I don't get like it. the Total Recall remake in particular, that could have you could easily have swapped out. I you, minus the accent, you know what I mean? And the acting. Yeah, yeah. I think Free Williams <laughs> yeah. is just as good an actor as Colin Farrell, even even Banshees of Insurance. That is a bold statement. You could put Tree Williams in Banshees. I, I wouldn't put him that. in. Yeah, I know, but you've got to put Treat Williams right. in a Treat Williams vehicle. You got to treat him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Way is a, to be a, treated. I'm sure thing. Treat Williams has never heard that joke in his entire life. <laughs> We need to treat you well, Mr. Treat yeah. Williams. Treat yourself, Treat. <laughs> oh, wow. Right, Joy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, next one. So our other lead is Hell Joe yeah. Piscopo is Doug Bigelow. Just just a reminder, we, we've talked about Joe Piscopo when we talked about Sidekicks, episode 111. <laughs> but little reminder. Sidekicks. I, yeah, I, I've always got to remember this. Wait, wait. Don't. don't. What? He is on so much cocaine in that movie it's cocaine and steroids in sidekick is just yeah. an amazing combination for it's amazing. mr joey p <laughs> but, but here's the thing i, I don't think people I'm realize kick his ass. how big of a deal he was in the early 80s because mm-hmm. from 80 to 84 when saturday night live was trying to find its ground and you know the the new cast comes in after the iconic cast they fired everybody <laughs> except joe piscopo and eddie murphy and those two were like the stars of SNL in the early 80s. And uh, he actually did 68 episodes on that. Now Sinatra. Yeah, the Sinatra thing. Um, he had <laughs> That the, was his best bit, I think. The whiners or something that he did. But he, he, he had all these sketches and stuff. But the film that I will always remember Joe Piscopo outside of this one is Johnny Dangerously from 1984. Same. That. He is so specifically a brand. Like... He's not a good actor. Like, I'm not going to say he's as good as Colin Farrell. Don't worry. <laughs> Joe Piscopo? Joe Piscopo, Joe Piscopo could do the Banshees of it. <laughs> he, he couldn't. It's a perfect example. Tree Williams could do a serious drama. Joe Piscopo cannot do a serious drama. He can only be Joe Piscopo. Like, despite the fact that he did, like, characters on SNL, like, in movies, Joe Piscopo was always the big piece of meat dude. Yeah. Duh. We're making jokes. Yeah. yeah. Except when he was teaching Data how to do how about comedy. Yeah, he played himself on uh, Star Trek. Oh, next gen. He he. Well, he did do some drama. I think he was on an episode of Law Order Special Victims Unit. That's on his oh, film. Was he a was he a molester or he, a raper a or a? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't see the episode. He's got Diddler written all over him. <laughs> Diddler. <laughs> Wow, he's one of the few white dudes with a Jerry <laughs> curl. You know. Yeah. Well, a Jerry curl mullet. Yeah, Freddie, yeah. you had that exact same hairstyle. I, I have a picture to prove yeah. it. So <gasps> oh, who are you? Gotta you send that over. I talking see that. about Awful. Troy. I'm on it. Don't worry about right. it. I'm gonna write I'm it on my to do list. I'm allowed to be a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's my right as an American. That's right. Yep. Uh, one one other role I want to mention before we get to some iconic horror folks that end up in this film. Lindsay Frost plays Randy James. Uh, her first film role, she had pre- previously done an episode of um, Hill Street Blues, but this is her first film. 
And her filmography is all over the place. But every time I see her in my head, I, I had always thought, oh, Helen Hunt's in this film. Nope, that's not Helen Hunt. <laughs> I can see why you would think that. It's the yep. other Helen Hunt is Lindsay Frost. I don't know if she got that a lot. But the the two names I want to spend a little time with, Darren McGavin, first of all, yes. plays Dr. Ernest McNabb. I think people would know him if you're if you're a horror fan as Carl Kolchak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're not a horror fan, then you're going to know him from a Christmas story in 1983. And if you're a communist and you don't know that film, then, <laughs> then maybe you recognize him from the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, raw deal in 1986. I was just telling Amy about like, raw deal last night. And I didn't even you're a kid from the nineties. You know him as Brian Madison, Billy Madison's father oh that's right yep yeah there you go or Mulder's dad on uh the x-files he wasn't yeah. well, he wasn't dad. His dad. He no, was, no, uh, no no he was a detective from back in the day right he was a he was like they they kind of hinted at him maybe being his dad at one point didn't they uh, arthur, arthur i believe is his name yeah something oh, like there that you go. Arthur, did did, yeah. did anybody like watch mcgavin stuff from the 70s the the kolchak stuff the two films or, or the tv series i am a huge kolchak fan i had the time life VHS tapes of oh. the whole series where they would mail them to you. Yeah. Do you remember this? I do. <laughs> yeah. I love Kolchak. He got me into it. Yeah. I, it's the coziest damn thing. It reminds shot. me of being a kid so much. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen the series. I've seen the two, the, the night stalker and night strangler, which I really, those like. are really episodes that they edited into movies mm-hmm. anyway. So you have kind of seen the series then. So, uh, so cause, because I want to Chris Carter who helped create the X-Files said that Kolchak is like one of the big inspirations for the X-Files. I see that. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's, man, Kolchak was so cool and they tried to bring it back, but it didn't. No, it went sexy. That was the problem. Ooh. Like the original Kolchak was, Derek, was Derek like, McGavin went yeah. sexy. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the new? <laughs> <laughs> they tried to do it like the 2000s. They, they him up, gave him like a hot sports car. And like, he's supposed to be a schlubby Rockford Files esque character. Yeah. Who, who's just kind of slumming through his journalism job and getting by day to day. And he's and then a little there's older. Vampires. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that doesn't fly. I I'm never saw it, but I don't think I want to. Okay, last name. No, no, <laughs> second to last name because I got mean, a surprise name. Do you mean the new one or the old the new one? I, no, no, no. no like the, the old one. I like the old one. The two films, okay. which you say are basically episodes, but I wouldn't mind checking out yeah. all twenty episodes. Uh, okay, big name from a horror perspective. Vincent Price plays Arthur P. Loudermilk. Now he has a small bit. Um, and we'll get to some production and development about him. But I got to ask, does, does anybody have a favorite Vincent Price film? I mean, when, when you hear that name, it's up there with like Lon Chaney, Bela Lugosi. Uh, mm. I mean, he's he's one of the greatest horror icons. But I didn't know if you guys had a favorite Vincent Price performance or film. I, mean, I thought he was vaguely sexy in The House on Haunted Hill. And I won't apologize for it. Okay. I'd suck at that. <laughs> <laughs> the Invisible Man Returns. Yeah. I think that one's solid. House of Wax. Okay. Mm. I like I it. I like to doc, Dr. Fibes. As far as performance, I think Dr. Fibes is the most fun. That and uh, was it the pin, the pendulum, the one where he went crazy, thought he was his ancestor? Yeah. Is it, yes, because he plays okay. two people in that. Yep. He plays yeah, Sebastian a, yeah. and Nicholas? Yeah, he was, he was doing yeah. the uh, post stuff with uh, Pit the Pendulum, House of Usher. Those were early 60s, right? 
Yeah, they um, the, where they were basically taking every Poe thing and Greek jiggering it and shuffling mm-hmm. everything around. Because he did the Raven as well. Yeah, yeah. I I love the House of Wax from '53, and what's funny is I had only recently seen it, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, it was it was like a COVID watch. But the film that I always attribute to to Vincent Price only because I'm a big fan of films that take science and just throw it out the door and are like, F you science, here's how it really works. But one of my favorite like Dead Heat, for instance. <laughs> well, that one's probably scientific. Um, but yes. <laughs> I I love 1959's The Tingler. I think Oh, the Tingler. Yeah. I, I love the whole story about that film being shown mm-hmm. from an exhibit standpoint. But I really love the film. The whole idea that when you get scared, something's actually crawling up your spinal cord. That's yeah. got to be science right there in action. Sure. Yeah. That is an awesome. I'm logical to me. That could be like a Guillermo del Toro movie now. Like it wouldn't be a silly. Like the idea that there's this this uh, s this thing that's made of like plasm plasm like yeah. almost like protoplasm or whatever the hell it is. You know, as a millipede on your back. Like you could turn this into like a real art horror movie now, The Tingler. Oh, I, I know, and I've I've always loved that. Time. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's made so many classic films, but The Tingler's like one of my favorites. Well, I, I love that one. I mean, I think my first exposure exposure to Vincent Price was the Thriller video. Oh yeah, yeah same. oh good point. I mean, yeah. that's like, he's gonna terrorize y'all neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that that monologue is one of the most iconic so things good. of that song. That's yeah. a good point. I feel yeah. I feel like he was on Scooby Doo at once too. Oh, he, oh, he did a lot of to. yeah. He did a lot yeah. of Scooby Doo stuff. Um, yeah. Did you ever listen? He had a radio program called The Price of Fear. Oh no, I didn't know that. It's really? A, yeah, he, he's him telling stories. Uh, but you can find it out there. It's like I don't know if it's in the public domain, but I know that it, you can stream it as a podcast a lot of places. I I always and and here's the thing. I mean, I and you guys watch way more horror movies than anybody I know. Uh, just obviously not even part of the show, but it's part of your DNA in my opinion, <laughs> because you guys will give me recommendations of like, I've never heard of that, but I, I miss the, the Vincent price. Like I, yeah. I don't know if we have that actor or actress today that even embodies that outside of maybe Lynn Shea, but even she's not ever hit the heights that Mm-mm. price. Did. Right. Uh, and, and I feel like it's time yeah. for somebody to come along and, and take that mantle of, here's a horror icon and they're, and they're playing in horror films. And the thing I loved about Vincent price is he's always Vincent price, but he was still a good enough actor to add these nuances like which, yeah. which finder general or something of that nature. It's different than fives and, and I uh, feel like the scientists that he was playing like the fly or something. I right. feel like some people, some actors have attempted to be kind of fill those shoes. Like I think Anthony uh, Hopkins was trying to kind of fill those shoes for a while. Like when they did the Wolfman and everything, I think it had the Wolfman ban a success. Then he could maybe have moved into more projects like that, like, and looked back on Hannibal Lecter and all those performances um, yeah, in between true. Okay, that yeah, maybe. I feel like he was trying to maybe steer his career that way. And the other one was, um, Tony Todd could be, maybe. yeah, Tony Todd could be oh, a little bit of one. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, there's uh there was one other older He's actor potential. who was kind of Wilfred I, Brimley. I think Russell Crowe is trying to do steer that trajectory right now. Really? Yeah, oh. based on on um well the they Pope. just did the Pope's exorcism, but before that he played Hyde and they, they were gearing up for him oh, to be yeah. like the next Well he did, Hyde. I guess unhinged. He's uh like a scary person in that too, psychotic a little bit, right? 
Yeah, and yeah, like some some there are actors do it, but I feel like, like a Keith just... David as well. Maybe <gasps> Keith David, oh, yeah. yeah, he would be a good one. But it's like the guys who really, uh, they the ones who really like claim horror and are like it's part of my 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 identity as a performer, right? Like right. Vincent Price is like you. He was the horror actor. Embr- I mean, he embraced it. Big time. Right. And yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, like, like him I and Christopher Lee to me are like the guys I think of when I think of like old time horror films. Yeah. Been surprised and Christopher Lee. Yeah. But and you think of guys like Robert England now, mm-hmm. but even Robert England didn't. Freddy Krueger, he's under so much makeup. Yeah, that's a lot. He's doing these these great performances, but he's doing a lot of great Freddy Krueger performances. He's not bouncing around and showing up. I mean, they are making other low budget horror movies with him in it. But nothing that stands out where you're like, that's, you know, I think. He, hey, he was Buck. He is a face of horror. Like, I and think, he came there, too. Yeah. Don't you feel though, like. <laughs> what movie was that again? That, that's from uh, Eating Alive. Eating Alive. That's right. But yeah. uh, that just the idea that yeah. there's like a classiness to that generation, too, that you're not like you're not you don't have vincent price playing a buck character who's on buck and i'm i'm back and i'm here vincent price was never on twitter right that's and true. that yeah. is the only reason he seemed classy that's true yeah that the, having that he didn't have an screen. instagram i still i still, like th- I still think i still think I follow, vincent price would be classy IG. if even with social he, media vincent, vincent price would be yeah. classy he wouldn't be sliding in any young ladies dms be no, like okay. Yeah. okay, 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 okay. Okay, one, one, one other name. I don't know if you guys notice this. So he is the patrolman on the motorcycle where Treat Williams takes his gun from him and rides off on his bike. Did you recognize that actor? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Okay, well, he's not an actor today. He's actually one of the highest paid screenwriters, and he is known as a director too, but it's none other than Mr. Shane Black. Oh, that was Shane I saw Black. the name in the credits, yes. but... I was like, hmm. And yeah. I, it didn't even impress upon me, but I'm like, I know that name. Yeah. yeah. It's when he's acting gigs. Is he the one that got in trouble with Olivia Munn on the set of Predators? Don't bring stuff like this up. <sighs> they were trying to. I don't want to be in I think so. I think so. He's, he's, yeah, it might have been Shane Black. Yeah. Yeah. The, that guy was like a child molester or something, and they cast him to be in the. And no one did any like, a friend background of his. check on him, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Didn't do a background check. There's old stuff behind that. Yep. Yeah. So real quick. Anyway, it's not to bring up. A We're bad, the Debbie Downers. We bring all, the, oh, that's all okay. stuff with us. All right. I just was trying to remember if that was the same person. Nope. Same. Uh, little little tidbits of information on production and development. We already talked about it being called Iron Cops in the Philippines. This I thought was interesting. The movie was submitted a total of nine times to the MPAA in order to receive its R rating. They just, <laughs> they had to keep cutting it out. Was Principal um, Rooney there to take those submissions? <laughs> nine <laughs> times. Nine times. Um, New World Studio that actually uh, financed and, and distributed the film. We we did talk about it. It's hard to find the box office numbers, but they did commission a sequel right before this hit the theaters. However, because it underperformed at the box office and which is kind of topical today in 1988, the writers guild of America had a strike occur and it put oh. a kibosh on all those projects. So it was a combination of those two, why they couldn't get off the ground. And, uh, here's kind of like a writer strike happens about every 15 years or so. Yeah, it's pretty pretty brutal, yeah. Yep. 
Now here's here's the Vincent Price information that shows how classy this guy is. He was only contractually obligated to be on the set for a total of three days. Okay, so he has like just this bit part. However, when it became obvious that all of his scenes were not going to be finished in three days, Price volunteered to do the extra work at no additional cost. Aww. Who does that? What a sweetheart. What a sweet boy. I know. So the the question I have. (laughs) For this movie. (laughs) I love this movie, though. Why did this not do very well in 88, do you think? Uh, I mean, we talked about already. Everybody's dead at the end. I think that's part of it. And also, there was like no love interest thing. Not really. She died. Oh, do you think they they broke too many of the rules that we say (laughs) were above? You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, studio when they send it to the the writer's room and the studio comes in like you gotta have a love interest you gotta have a happy ending and all this bullshit and then i'm like i'm like this is bullshit studio interfered with this is clearly studio interfered and then you get a movie where the studio is like i don't know whatever amy might be onto something if crocodile dundee 2 made like avatar money is is it the fact that this just was not a film for the general audience of '88? I mean, no offense yes. to treat Williams and Joe Piscopo, but they're not like <laughs> Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Like What's the buddy names, it, it's just not. Those aren't names I'm going to the theater for. <laughs> Do you I, think it hurt that his name is Treat? <laughs> what? Because <laughs> he know, is it's not one? like the manliest like Why? action movie name. Treat. True. <laughs> I mean, did, it's did just you, a sweet treat. Did oh, you guys God. look at the the trailer, the marketing? It it's weird to me. I don't know if anybody How would they. Yeah, it's a weird movie to market to. Yeah, yeah. I, even if you look at the trailer and stuff, you you're confused on whether or not if it's going for the action crowd, the horror crowd, or comedy. Comedy, yeah, yeah. It's it's to it me, it's a, a comedy above everything. all other things. Well, you see, you see a lot of these films that are a mashup of so many different genres. Like look at look at Big Trouble in Little China, which arguably is one of the greatest films of all time, is a bomb, and y- you you're just dipping your toes into so many different you know waters that you're not doing one thing, you're doing lots of different things, and movie fans love it, but outside of that crowd, it's hard to say, well, this is a comedy. It's also like a buddy cop film. It's also yeah. a horror film. Yeah. It's also. I don't know, like science fiction? science fiction. Yeah, you're just like, okay, it's all these things together, but it's not one of those things. And we're gonna go full, like full tilt, little shop of horrors and as far as tone. And it's violent. You know, there's yeah. you know, shootouts from beginning to end. There are okay. Maybe this is why it didn't do so well. I don't know. The beginning 15 minutes, it's just littered with cop bodies, dead bodies. Law enforcement dead bodies, which in the 80s, people still respected them. And then Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams are like, <laughs> anyway. It's like a Mentos commercial bloodbath. They never yeah. mourn death in this They film. don't mourn anybody. Nothing matters. So it doesn't yeah. matter when they die. I, well, the, <laughs> the beauty yeah. of that is, too, like they, they're unflappable. What happens, you realize after that first scene. Every character in the movie through the entire runtime is totally unflappable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do not react to there's situations no the way if they have no survival instincts or anything. So there's there's something that's kind of 
just triggered my brain here a little bit when I go back and look at all of the movies we talked about or even movies that come up as a bomb. So, so I have a general question. Is is it possible that the, the general movie-going audience, anytime they can't figure out what genre that a movie is, they just stay away from it? So forget about marketing for a second, but if a marketing department is struggling, like, I don't know if it's an action film or what, I don't, I don't know what the tone is. If, if a, if an audience senses that they can't figure out the tone, does that automatically mean that the movie's going to bomb? It's going to be harder. You know, you were like, you were saying though, it's really falls on the promotional team who's trying to sell the movie. And like you were saying about the trailer being also, it doesn't matter if a movie you, the butt in the seat is the thing. And if yeah. it's a really good movie, like people will word of mouth will get out regardless of what the trailer or the poster is, I think. But like to not sell it to any, it's not the audience sitting there and going, Oh my God, I thought I was in for a comedy, but it's a horror movie. I think the general audience is like, as long as I'm entertained, I'm happy, you know, but they never got them into the theater to begin with to even get the chance to be entertained by it because of the, the Beetlejuice, the lack of identity, you know, the movie didn't have an identity, but Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice is straight out almost, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, that's a Tim Burton film. So you know what you're getting out of it. Right. I, I feel like there's just always these films that come across in the history of films. And when people don't know what it is, it, and you go, well, that's going to be a cult film because it's all over the place in terms of what it's trying to do. It becomes this hodgepodge of genres and everything else. I feel like that's almost a recipe for box office disaster is when you don't mm-hmm. stick to one genre. Um, you just get a lie to the audience and sell it as one genre. They, <laughs> that's the problem is they're, they're, they're actually doing a little, know. the transparency and how they cut a trailer for a movie like Dead Heat is a detriment to the box office for Dead Heat. I don't know if I went to this movie. Okay. I didn't know what to expect. I truly did not. I just thought it'd be a buddy cop thing. I, that's all I thought. Dead heat. That's it. Well, and, and if, then, you, if you look at the poster, it's it looks like two guys, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Piscopo with his guns and they're holding guns. And it does look like a buddy cop film. But then when you get in there and you go, oh my God, it's such a gore fest in some parts. Maybe maybe that turned the, a lot of people off of it. It's batshit. It's weird. It is. Well, and the fact that nothing, nobody reacts normally and you don't realize you're in a fantasy. Well, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to pause right there because yeah. I think this is, this is starting to get into uh, our thoughts on the film. Ah, sorry. No, no, I can't wait. So we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to, we're going to start with you, Amy, and uh, find out how your first viewing of dead heat went. So everybody <laughs> stay tuned. Time for refreshment, refreshment. For your enjoyment, there's hot, fresh popcorn, tempting, delicious hot dogs, and so many kinds of ice cream. And of course, sparkling, delicious, ice-cold Coca-Cola for everybody at the refreshment counter now. Remember, your favorite snack will taste especially good with world-famous ice-cold Coca-Cola. Blood curdles. The coffin hasn't been built that can hold him. Dr. Fives rises again. Fives! Wait! Dr. Fives rises again in an even more startling motion picture with a whole new gallery of gruesome gimmicks of torture and murder. 
See the scorpions embrace. The eagles caress. No, no! The sausage machine. See Dr. Fives outduel his enemies with the most diabolical devices ever created. See Dr. Fives rises again, starring Vincent Price as the menacing Fives and Robert Quarry as the evil Biderbeck. Dr. Fives rises again. All new from American International Pictures. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Dr. Fives rises again. start with you 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 walked into this thing not knowing what to expect blind Mm -hmm. uh what'd you think of it i respect it (laughs) (laughs) okay over (laughs) all right no like i had no idea what i was in for and it is very weird and i think at one time i turned to you and i was like is this brilliant satire or the most (laughs) insane thing i've ever seen um, and I think it's not brilliant satire, but what would it be? Love, what would it be a, a satire of? I, I at first I thought it was like this satire of the way these buddy cop movies, like like this movie is going to be crazier and crazier and crazier, but these buddy cops are still going to get their chief yelling at them, you know? Or the doctor from Star Trek Voyager who played one of their fellow cops in the beginning that yelled at them. Yeah. The guy with the mustache, that was bald. Robert Picardo. Robert Picardo. Um, sorry, I'm a bit of a Trek nerd, but the uh, it, this this was weird, and I respect it. I respect it. Didn't like. I wouldn't say I want to watch it like more than one more time. <laughs> but really? you do kind of okay. want to revisit it. I I want to see it with somebody that I know will be like, what? Yeah, I gotcha. So you, That's I all. think it's interesting. Um satire uh okay no it's i figured it out later that that's not what was happening (laughs) okay all right um freddie how you've seen this before how was the rewatch it was uh well when i I saw this on cable as a kid and it was one of those movies where i'd come into it either in the middle or you know i see it in bits and pieces and eventually stitch the whole movie together this was really nice to go and sit down and really deliberately watch it. Um, oh, wait, hold on. So had you never watched it from like beginning to end as sort of a full movie? I don't know. I may have. I've seen it several times, but I've seen it. Chunks. <laughs> like it was literally, I would see it on cable. It was one of those movies that whenever it was on cable, I would stop and watch the whole movie wherever it was in the movie. Oh, okay. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. And, I, uh, I do that with yeah. every Jackie Chan film. So. Yeah, yeah. So it was like that because this is back like uh, this might have been the first year we even had a VCR. So it wasn't like something that I, um, you know, would have uh, been getting at the video store, I don't think. But um, so that's how I was seeing it in pieces. And then coming back to it and really absorbing it all at once uh, with Amy through Amy's eyes to really enhance the experience. But the effects are better than I remember. 
uh, I think those practical effects are great. I, I think it's hilarious in that the character, like I was saying before, they're so unflappable the way they react or rather the way they don't react to things like these blown apart bodies in the morgue and everything and the way they're still, the tone does never, it never changes from wacky workplace comedy tone and tone, <laughs> no matter what is happening at any point in the movie. And then with the finale, it was, it reminded me a lot of Dr. Strangelove, the way they had the big round table, with the, you know, the millionaires mm-hmm. bidding on this uh, rejuvenation stuff, you know, I, to me, I do. I could see why Amy might be like, "Is this brilliant satire?" Maybe because it has the elements of a lot of other satire. The pieces. beginning. <laughs> I love how fucking dark it went with like the the woman who came to, uh, who was acting as if she were the the uh, founder's daughter, but she was really another client that was yeah, Randy rotting. Frost. Yeah, yeah. The Helen Hunt. Like, oh, that was Helen Hunt part two. <laughs> she her death scene was freaking awesome and unexpected. Yeah, and Joe Piscopo, them finding his body, his head <laughs> plunged down in his own aquarium, was hilarious. Like I remember when I was a kid, that bothered me, you know, because he's the other guy you're rooting for. But as an adult, and you're like, these are not human beings. These characters are so overblown and ridiculous that it is fucking hilarious when one of them dies. You know, like they're, I'm like just waiting for it, just ready to fucking belly laugh the next time. <laughs> <one dies. laughs> Wow. So okay. yeah, good time. Okay. It's fun. All right, Brad. I'm I'm really curious. You've seen this before, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I've told you, but like I lived two minutes from a blockbuster and we could walk there. And every Friday we were going to Blockbuster and, and renting stuff. And I remember specifically getting this one time and having no idea what it was and then uh being introduced to Dead Heat. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I I gotta say I have a really soft spot for this. I I kind of love this movie. Um, I love the body horror aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That death scene is so good. Like it has no reason to be that good. I think the makeup effects in general are pretty awesome. Um, oh, Steve Johnson. The Steve Johnson effects in here are top notch eighties practical effects. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only it's thing that I, I think the only thing that doesn't really hold up is when the skull talks, but I can get past Same. that. It, yeah. They're going for it, but the rest of it looked good. Yeah, yeah. When it's like when she's like disintegrating and stuff, it looks so her good. Arm fall, like half of her arm yeah. just plops off. And yeah. If they had cut that one frame or so thing. out, it would be perfect, I think. But leaving that frame in where you can see through the jaw when she's talking and it looks like the lighting. I know, I respect is, it. They're, yeah, I mean, they're it's, like, it's, screw it, we're leaving it in. I, it, yeah. it looked wonky, but there was a charm to it, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I love like the violence of it. Joe Piscopo's one-liners are even really good. Um, the fact that like Treat Williams only has twelve hours to live after he is brought back yeah. to life, yet that twelve hours seems to go on for about I don't know Forever. four days. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, at one point in time, they're like, you have three hours, and then we've like flash cut to nighttime and you're like <laughs> time has passed here uh again unflappable exactly he's like ah what are you doing tonight and, and like he like there's a line Dying. at the beginning he's talking about it like if you knew your death day or whatever what would you do like and like he starts to like think about his mortality like as he's dying but then that kind of just gets blown off and he's like ah fuck it let's just go kill some people uh <laughs> But have you yeah, seen, I, Brad, have you seen Short Time with Dabney Coleman? Oh my yeah, god, I so, love that film. Yeah. 
yes. love that. We're going to talk about that one. Yeah, that we'll is one I'm to. so. Of all the you know studios we we watch, Kino Lorber has been putting a ton of great stuff out on Blu-ray of this like 80s and 90s that everybody forgot about. I still have my short time laser disc and I'm waiting for them to come along wow. and put that on Blu-ray because that's one that it just needs to be seen by a bigger audience. I, I don't think Amy's seen it, but it, no. you, you saying that Brad about the intro to dead heat reminded me of short time. Cause it's about a cop on a, he's yeah. on a taking, uh, he's going to die. <laughs> but I think, my, die. I think my yeah. favorite part of oh, dead heat is, is Vincent pride at the end, just pontificating and just like, going nuts and being Vincent price. Uh, it's pretty good. And then there's like another shootout where you're shooting Uzis at each other at close range. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, all guns for Uzis in this movie. Too. Yeah. They, <laughs> like, it's, it's so, so weird. 80s. Like in real life, like I am not a gun person. I see a gun in a movie and I am so ready to go. Um, <laughs> but wow. I, 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 I enjoy this quite a bit. It, uh, it holds up really well. And I think, watching this with a group of people would be really, really fun. Cause it is so dumb, but like, again, it's going for so much. I get like the body horror of this is so great. And the shootouts are good. Like that robbery in the first 10 to 15 minutes seems like it goes on forever. And it's just like cop after cop, just getting murdered. Yes. <laughs> and none That's of them insane. are even reacting. They're, They're still just, like cracking jokes. Yeah, <laughs> and they go to the 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 chief's or you know their whatever the sergeant or whatever's office afterwards. Never brings up that like, hey, seventeen mm-hmm. of your best friends are now yes! dead, and I have so many phone calls to make. He's like, and parking tickets, and I was like, oh, they get parking about- tickets through the whole movie. And he's like, well, what number is this one? I think it's eighteen. <laughs> what about all the dead people? So, you think yeah. there would be like a parade through town or the procession, yeah. a few big massive funeral They'd be like, hey, does anybody have an update on the lives of the some of them that might have lived? But we're like, no, no nobody cares. They gave you updates on the this parking tickets. Yeah. Yes. Did you did you notice that the guy who ran uh that was the guy who ran the, the gift shop in Chinatown from Gremlins that yeah, also ran? That, yeah. I thought that oh, was a yeah, okay. cool yeah. piece. So I I love your concept of everybody is unflappable in this film. And uh, there's a reason for that, in my opinion. And the reason for that is it is a satire of a very specific genre. I think Amy's spot on. Oh, it is? It is. I thought I might have been too highfalutin, but if you're agreeing with me. I agree with you 100%. So here's the thing. If you pay close attention to the film... This film is a satire of a very specific genre. And one of the quintessential films of that genre is playing on the TV in a scene. That film is 1949's DOA. The concept of DOA is a person is poisoned and they have so many hours to find out who murdered them. And it is one of the top film noir movies ever dead heat through and through is a horror version of film noir and it is a satire of that genre it's like a freaking satire through the lens of the freaking 80s cop 
Yes. Uh, movies. I'm doing great over here. <laughs> I mean, that's my riddle opinion of it. wrapped in a. I, I just, I, I've always loved this film, and, and Brad, we talk about this. Like one of our favorite genres is film noir to the point that we're even this November. I think we're just going to do noir November, right? Just do film noir movies. Yep. But if if you, this movie is inspired by DOA, like if you go back and read about the film, and they're like, yeah, we love DOA. We remade DOA with zombies. Um huh. and Holy shit. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's crank just I DOA. Really respect this. Jason but that's why DOA is playing in uh her apartment when they discover I think Joe I think that's the scene where they discover Joe Piscopo's body. It's it's a remake of DOA, but it's done with Uzis, zombies, mullets, <laughs> lethal weapon Joe cops Piscopo. on probation. Some mannequin action, which is awesome. Some cocaine. A, a cocaine, yeah. an angry captain who delivers his lines by yelling, car explosions, film noir tropes. This thing has you could you could if you turn this into a drinking game and go, all right, let's just go through all the film noir tropes. They're all here. And if you think about mm-hmm. film noir where everybody dies and it has a very bleak ending, this yeah. one, everybody dies. There nobody survives this thing. Um, and even people like the love interest, the, the corner and stuff like that, dead, everybody's dead. Um, but this is through and through film noir in its DNA. And it, and in, so in fact, it's a, it's a remake of DOA. And it does end on that, uh, play on the Casablanca. Casablanca too. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There, there yeah. it is. Yeah. So Shit, I, now I'm going to have to watch DOA now. They got, they, Ooh, they wrapped up their little noir movie with Beverly Hills cop. <laughs> and they were like, here you go. <laughs> or Lethal Weapon. I don't know. Pick one. No, it's it's done through the 80s action film. Yeah. But done as zombies. And, you know, in, I, in DOA, you know. it's the he's trying to find out who poisoned him. Whereas this one, it's he's trying to find out who killed him. But he comes back as a zombie to, to in the big that. side of beef that he has to fight. Dude. Yeah. OK, we're talking about favorite scenes. Is that, that, that scene is so good that whole butcher shop scene to me like okay if we're making a top 10 list of zombie scenes locker scene is that what we're talking about if you're like zombie scenes you go okay in film history give me a top 10 list of zombie scenes that butcher shop scene for me would be in there between the zombie ducks the zombie sides of beef liver um even when joe piscopo is playing with the little zombie duck head and uh, Treat One was trying to get his attention. He just closes the beak and the thing just starts yeah. shaking. <laughs> How does a liver reanimated launch itself at somebody? I don't know, but it's amazing. Them? It is Dead amazing. Alive rules. Dead oh, live rules. Yeah. All right. And even when they turn it off and everything just starts to like liquefy, it, it's, yeah. I mean, those effects are so much fun. That was fun. Yeah. It's it artistically put together. Man. That, it, that, it, that scene is, is awesome. So good, too. The- when it's walking, the, mm. the, well, the little that, pig that, and stuff that shuffle. he has to Joe Piscopo yeah. like blows away or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this little piggy went to market. In this, in this movie, a guy puts a gun in a pig's mouth that is reanimated and shoots it across the room. Yes. <laughs> that Amazing. happens. This movie. Such what a great more line. do you need? Yeah. When just all the ducks and everything else. And no, it, it, it's not like we stop and it's like, hey, was that crazy? It's just like, yeah, that, yeah, we're we're doing this. No, it's a, the Steve Johnson effects. I mean, you outside of the two zombies that rob the jewelry store in the beginning, they they look kind of yeah. creepy, but they're dirty. Yeah, you really know what you're getting into with that big fat guy with the three faces that is yeah, uh, fighting that Joe Piscopo. Awesome. 
I mean, so if you're if you're me, you think you're watching a straight movie. It's just a freaking movie. Mm-hmm. And then that guy, I hadn't even still like clocked that those dudes took forever to get shot down and killed. Yeah, I hadn't really even like, oh, they were wearing a vest, whatever. Then the man with the split face. Yeah. Well, you know what that like, reminded what me of? What is happening? That sequence with the depressurizing chamber where they suffocate. Yeah their specimens or whatever uh, the then the monsters i it reminded me so much of return of the living dead three oh, have, have you seen that where yes. they go back to the lab and they had been experimenting on the zombies and they had like mm. those designs uh very similar that yeah. kill room had very easy access i feel like someone again could accidentally walk in there and be killed kind of like what happened to treat williams yeah you didn't have to badge in or anything no no <laughs> yeah we're not like beeping in or anything there's a way to get out of it if you accidentally get yourself locked in there well the no, fact I mean, that you could take your visitor badge and just shove it in there and all of a sudden the door yeah. opens seems like I some mean, shoddy have security a, have an emergency release because it's four dogs and I don't yeah. think dogs are going to be pulling any levers so I think How? That's, right. that's a good point Okay, has has anybody ever walked into an office building and saw like the, the central security person just reading porn at the desk <laughs> <laughs> Did you say sorry to interrupt your boner? Your erection. Or your erection. Your erection, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So there's another film. Anytime I watch Dead Heat, I'm always like, well, I got to go watch this other film because I think it comes out around the same time period. And it is another, uh, I I would say, mishmash of genres that I think is super successful. So anytime I watch Dead Heat, it's like, oh, this is film noir action done from a, a horror stand. But The Hidden which is the sci-fi action film. From so damn weird that you brought that up. Freddie was saying the same. You guys just get married already. Uh, I was just telling Amy about the hidden after we watched this movie too. Is it, does it not give you the hidden like vibe when you're the, like, man, the, there, the greatest double feature is dead heat and the hidden. I, I, I would also say uh, the golden child pairs perfectly with oh, dead heat. Yes. Uh, uh, the movies I always think of with, with dead heat are well, dragnet with, Ackroyd and Hanks. Okay. The Golden Child, The Hidden, and Dead Heat. Like, if I were programming a drive-in, like, Dust Till Dawn lineup, those would be the four movies I think they go together perfectly. Oh, that would be an amazing lineup. That See, we need to do film festivals. We just need to, like, yeah. do a film festival. Yeah, we we'll program those. Now, see, Kyle MacLachlan, I think he would be... Like, if Kyle MacLachlan was in this film, I think it's way better. Yeah. Really? Instead of Treat Williams. And so treat William. Shame on you, man. No, we're keeping yeah, Piscopo. Just get rid of Piscopo. Mm. No, I kind of like I, his zaniness. I, I like them both. I think. I think what Treat Williams does is he delivers that hard-boiled detective film noir mm. look, feels that that whole sequence where he's in Darren McGavin's office and he's like, he's just, I figured it out, and this is what you're doing, and da da da. That's that's straight out of every film noir that you've ever saw, where the detective is like cracking the case, right? Uh, and, and I really love the relationship between Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams. I think they're a lot of fun together and I like your word unflappable. These two are just, uh, they're walking hurricanes. They destroy everything Yeah, and, and they just keep going like, Oh, parking mm-hmm. ticket. We got another parking ticket. I mean, <laughs> they treat the parking ticket with the same <laughs> sincereness as just blowing a bunch of people away in this lady's apartment. I don't know that I would change. I don't know if I would change the cast at all. I wouldn't uh, at all. I feel like I, I might put Helen Hunt in. Uh, he wants Helen Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. 
Okay. Bonnie Hunt's fine. Just settle. <laughs> I uh, was thinking to myself that this was a weird movie to make in 88. Yeah. But I think it'd be an easy movie to make now. You could have Ryan Reynolds in it and like Jack Black. And, and it wouldn't be nearly as good for some reason. But it it, it would. <laughs> it's, it's true. It would make sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nowadays. Yeah. And it would be like, it would be, it would blend in with every other like. The, the attempts at these kind of movies right. now where we expect the genres to be kind of like mashed up in a way now, but they're like, as long as it's, you know, light and superhero adjacent, right? Well, like then they would be, it would be like, yeah, we'll, it, we'll sell it tickets. Hits, it hits this quadrant and this quadrant over here. Well, here's, right. here's the other thing that's going to blow your mind. So the same year in 1988, they remade DOA with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan that got released the same year. So I, I think that's they're weird. Well, it was in the I, water. Yeah. There's, there's something about the late eighties around this time period that I, I think there's a lot more of that film noir DNA coming into Hollywood than people realize. I mean, yeah. un, unless you really pay attention to this one, I don't, I don't think it's for me, it's obvious, but I don't think the general moviegoer unless they, they go, Oh, is that DOA in the background? Oh, well the, the thing for DOA is this, and this is very similar to it. Um, but I always thought it was weird that, and I liked the remake actually, but I always thought it weird the same year you get two remakes of DOA, one, a more straight up remake with Dennis Quaid. The second one remade with zombies. Generational stuff too. Like, cause you figure we talk about like how nineties have this big boom right now in, in media where all the fictional stories that everybody's writing in the nineties. I think like in the eighties, it was the fifties. They were writing about the fifties and the forties and you know, like those oh, yeah. themes and just everybody wanted to kind of revisit their childhood, you know? So that was those writers childhood. Like they were seeing these older movies, I think. And they just wanted to make those same movies. No, that's a good point. I mean, when was the last good film to come out that really you watched it and went, Oh, I, I see that film noir route. Um, or, that detective film from the forties coming through. That would be uh that was brick for me. Ooh, that's time ago. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like in the last couple of years, I I feel like this is a subgenre that's just ripe to come back strong. And I don't know if it's streaming service or something else, but somebody take that film noir trope. And um, maybe you said, Amy's like, you could do this film today. I think really well. I don't know if it's a, Ryan Reynolds and The Rock. I mean, you, you need a beefcake. Jack and then... Black, but I am interested in your, um, I like your casting as well. Okay. I was going to say like, oh, Kiss Kiss Bang, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang's a real good new noir. And that came out and I was like, oh wait, that thing that came out like early 2000s. So that's been, that's the thing. Yeah, it's been a... Those all feel new still to me, right? Yeah. Like same, I think they're doing it. I think they're doing it on TV. I can give you a, yeah. like 10, 15 examples right now, but not in movies recently. Yeah, that's true. I, I, you're absolutely right. It, it feels like television shows or, or miniseries or stuff are tapping yeah. into this with like True Detective. You you might say fills mm-hmm. that slot, but I'm I'm really. It feels like the '80s and early '90s, and it could be where we had like the sexy thrillers and stuff like that. Basic Instinct coming out. I, I feel like we need a resurgence of that at some point. Like we we really need those good. Yeah. Knives Out and uh, The Onion, in my opinion, don't necessarily qualify for film noir because they're not That's dark enough. mystery it's mystery yeah, they're, like co- they're like cozy mysteries yeah yeah, yeah we, we need something a little bit darker um but yeah, I, Troy I, wants to bring back jade bring back jade bring <laughs> i back like jade, jade. what's Caruso up to? <laughs> that wasn't too bad that was uh that was um 
Friedkin, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that William Friedkin? Yeah, that was. Yeah. Do you I guys lo- ever listen to, her, that to Fiorentino. You Must Remember This? Yes. Podcast. Okay. And they've been doing the sex in the 80s, or I forget the name of the series. And it's that's where I even learned about a lot of these movies um, that we're talking about now. But um, yeah, I don't know why I brought that up. Just say that I listen to They that. don't put sex in movies. They don't put sex anymore. in movies anymore. Yeah. Oh, I know. You're right. We need, we need- on um, TV, you know. But oh, it's all over movies. the place. I, I do want to just ask real quick. Um, so we, we talked about all of the makeup effects from Steve Johnson. What did you guys think about the action sequences from Dan Bradley? Was he the stunt coordinator? On yeah, this? he was the stunt coordinator. Yep. I, I, I thought the, especially the bank robbery scene at the beginning was a lot of fun, but it was that 80s style of sloppy choreography that that's the Uzi spray, pray and spray moments <laughs> that like, but for me, like, I love that stuff. It doesn't have to be perfectly choreographed. But, like, uh, when Treat Williams drives that fucking sedan <laughs> at top speed down the street with a shotgun out the window, that made up for all the clumsiness from some of the earlier it stuff. Kills that like, mannequin and then blows it up. I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love think, that stuff, man. I think the shootouts are, are pretty fun. Again, like Freddie was going with, like, we're in the 80s, so we're. 12 feet away from each other, spraying bullets yeah. and not hitting each other. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, we do sometimes because one of our guys is dead, so he can eat some bullets. And that's actually kind of fun to see them hit somebody. Um, a lot. Again, I get though. He's just like, well, I got shot. It's like, <laughs> I still think it might hurt. Like, I'm not sure because if you're dead, yeah. like it doesn't hurt. I, had I, I do. I do think the fact that they'd handled that transition from regular bank robbery scene to these guys are ta- clearly taking bullets and spraying blood everywhere, but there's no like indication that this is out of the ordinary in the score or anything. It's just like they let, the, they let it happen. Actually, it was like a powerful moment as an audience member to be like, "Wait a minute!" It felt like from *Dust Till Dawn* oh, when that's... the vampires finally turn up you know like yeah it felt like that same kind of moment where i'm like oh they're just it's still moving they're not slowing pussy, down pussy, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> you know other movies would have, have felt you know it was ahead of its time in that it trusted at least trusted the audience to be like roll with this we're gonna this is happening we're not gonna spend a lot of time explaining all the details of why it's happening yeah, I I just do trust it's happening. Don't get me wrong, John Wick Four is amazing, one of the best movies of, uh, of the year. But I got to tell you, I I miss these '80s '90s action films when you had good action sequences, but they were they had an element of sloppiness to it because that adds a little bit more realism. I mean, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, Donnie Yen, everybody going around and and just taking fifty people out and making it look like ballet looks great. There is a level of, yeah, it looks cool, but I don't feel that danger element the way you yes. would with these sequences where you, you go, oh, there's going to be a stray bullet. Like the 15 cops just went down <laughs> around Treat right. Williams, right? Um, and then there's, there's, I think there's some really inventive action sequences. And the two that stand out is the ambulance coming down and crashing, which I yeah. think is a great car stunt. And then my favorite uh, action sequence is Treat Williams taking the motorcycle and hits the chain, goes flying through the lobby doors and slides and takes the two guards out. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty 
pretty great. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think Dan Bradley did an amazing job in terms of choreography, but coming up with sort of fun, inventive ways to, Hey, this guy's a zombie, so he can do all this crazy crap, right? That's like the bread and butter of this kind of movie too. If the action sequences didn't work, it would be total garbage. You know what I mean? It, like yeah. the effects are great and that's fun. The storyline's fun, but like the action is what makes this what it is. Some good squib work. So it many is. squibs. Yeah. I think some maybe like I was saying a lot of squib. Amy, how fun is it? Like every actor in the room is wearing squibs right Everybody now. Everybody had to get shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that whole so sequence cool. of, of Treat Williams at the end shooting the other guy and they're just unloading. I think Brad talked about unloading Uzis into each other. It's yeah, so much fun to watch. One lady, standing right there. The one lady just dives in front of it and just gets loaded into it. Like, <laughs> yeah. why did she do that? I don't know. She like, sacrificed herself. I'm like, lady, you're not a hero. Uh, or Darren McGavin sticking that Uzi in his mouth. So he's like, I won't let you bastards get me. Uh, to me, that also felt like a, a shocking moment because it was a quick boom, 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 and he's dead. Yeah. And then they're bringing him back to life. But like uh, the it's just there's so many moments in this like where they just really push to the next thing in such a, a, a it's like a clean cut, you know, like there's a lot, not a lot of bullshit in between, oh, which I, I, yeah. is fun. I mean, you need that sometimes depending on what kind of movie it is. But this movie is like, like you're saying, I think it's, I think it's mostly a comedy and a satire. Is it is how it feels like? So it does, 100%. it's not real world it rules. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I think it's a, I, it's a send up yeah. and a satire, the film noir genre, done through like an '80s action horror prism. Uh, I, I love the fact that it's just under 90 minutes. I mean, my mm. God, I miss these films. I'm, I yeah. mean. I'm I'm really tired of going to the film the theater and be like two and a half hours later and then you walk out and you go I didn't need thirty minutes of that um, yeah I mean the, we can the, tighten this up people yeah the economy of filmmaking especially in this genre is I think to be applauded and if if people are at film school and listening to your show or our show I would be out there going guys look you 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 really want to make great films. Awesome. They all don't have to be Lawrence of Arabia. They could okay. be more dead. Although heat. some some do need <laughs> no, the don't defend them. Don't defend them. Don't defend them. them. I mean, Troy is criticizing run times as our podcast regularly goes over two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but like for me, like the thing is like, yes, there are some movies where I need the extra bit, but the truth of the matter is, is like there are no hard, fast rules. It's just most stories can be told in three acts, and that's 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. If you absolutely have got to have a fourth act and push it to two hours, that's anything beyond that, you're dealing with epics. Your movie is more than two hours. Turn it into an eight-hour miniseries. I don't have yeah. time. Not every film <laughs> needs world building. And even right. then, um, world building, I think this does a really good job of world building in, in its 84, 85-minute runtime. Yeah. On the flip side, it's a very weird world. Have you seen <laughs> Babylon? Not yet. Which I heard was over long. To me, that movie actually, I just. What was it again? Babylon. It's the one. No, I mean, how long? Sorry. Oh, it's like three over three hours. This long. is the one yeah. on your guys' show, Andy's vehemently. Oh, Andy doesn't it. like the director. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. the guy did La La Land, which I wasn't a fan of either. But like, this movie is very, like, if you like old Hollywood, three hours. It's it's like I get to spend three hours looking at old Hollywood. That's how I, I feel spent, about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like I just like hanging out yeah. with those characters. 
Same. Like for me, I wouldn't cut runtime out of that, but I would cut a lot of runtime out of I'm not, other movies. Yeah, and I'm not saying get rid of the total runtime. It's just that those felt like special films, and to me, they earned their runtime. Um, yeah. Special, not the default. Well, because their creators yeah. knew they what story they were telling going into it. Yeah, and they knew what they were trying to say, and I feel like a lot of mainstream movie makers. It, it, I, I do feel like every director thinks they're an auteur and every director comes back with a three hour cut of their movie. Yeah. And then I, everybody's like, let's be real. I, I had heard, I don't know if this is true. I haven't looked it up, but I had heard at some point they're like, Oh, that new transformer film, it's going to be like three plus hours. I'm like, what? what of why? Transformers. Of transformers Wait, of, of robots fighting other robots. Three hours. I, I don't need that at all. Uh, they're animals this time. I, okay. Yep. Robot animals. I'm, that movie I'm, is three hours long. I think it's more uh, than I don't three know. hours. Is that, I, I haven't been keeping up with that. I, Listen, I love franchise. a giant robot fighting another giant robot or fighting a giant kaiju. I don't care <laughs> what the robot's fighting, but like respect my bladder. <laughs> respect. I need to get that as a t-shirt. Respect I my to go bladder. To the theater. I mean, you shouldn't. It's weak. I pee like every 45 minutes, but still. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to look at the runtime of this. Uh, I can't find it now. You are an adventure then game. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's 90% of movies. Yeah. Can be 90 minutes. This is my arbitrary rule. I agree with you guys. Can we get that enforced by law? Random night. I think 10% of movies are epics. You know, (laughs) they deserve a little extra time to play out. But the 90, let's do the Pareto principle, 80, 20, 80% should can't be 90, pass, like, you know, 20%. Fixing the debt ceiling. But if they can pass this legislation, right. they can use films <laughs> under 90 minutes. And you know what? We have hope. We will yes. take that bill to Congress and call it respect my bladder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the respect my bladder act, act. of 2023. <laughs> when do we want it? Maximum 90 minute runtime. And when do we want it? Now, now, because I, I got to pee, though. I got to pee, <laughs> but I got to pee. pee real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> well, do you That's guys have uh, any final thoughts on 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 Dead Heat? It sounds like we all had a good time watching it. Honestly, now that I we've talked about it and I've spent more time ruminating, I would watch it more than one more time. Oh, okay. Solar, yay! I love it. I think it's. I think when I say I respect the movie, I'm not trying to be silly. Like I truly respect what they were trying to do. I, I, I'm not saying they hit it all, but okay. good for you for trying. All right. Okay. Because it's weird. We'll take that. <laughs> it is weird, but I, I I love that. I mean, I love that. I yeah. really I really would like some more weird stuff. Um, that is 90 minutes. Yes. And has more Joe Piscopo. Yes. Um, well talk about that <laughs> or or at least a guy with would you say the jerry the curl the jerry curl yeah. mullet yeah mullet white guy jerry curl yeah yeah, yeah. mullets need to come back in my opinion. yeah i miss a white guy jerry curl <laughs> I, the only it's the only called song florida i don't yeah, think you'd have to miss it long <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> that's true florida it's they're all they all central, they all migrated central florida <laughs> Did okay. you know that the writer of this movie also wrote a TV series called 18 Wheels of Justice? What? 18 I've Wheels of, of Justice? From 2000, lasted for a season. Oh, wow. Oh, it's a TV show? Okay. Or two seasons, shit. Oh! I, I, I'm just going to guess it's about a truck driver who's dispensing justice. Does <laughs> this star Patrick Swayze? Or was he uh, I was going to say, it sounds like a Chuck Norris vehicle. No it pun does. intended. <laughs> 
Gene Gordon Liddy is in an episode, is in it. He plays Jacob Calder. Oh, good. Billy like D. A, Williams. Billy D. Williams is a truck driver. The frick is this? Is it like an anthology job? All right, we'll all do our own googling later. Eighteen anyway. Wheels of Justice. It's on Plex. Ready. Uh, Time to have sex. Sorry, go ahead. No, <laughs> I need to go watch The Hidden now. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we got to ask the question formally amy just real quick we got done having yeah. a fun conversation about dead heat from 1988 is it a bomb i mean what mm, no okay yes <laughs> <I mean> it is. <laughs> well no you for us personally right yeah. yeah no no it's not a bomb okay where, where do you land on this debate freddie yeah I, i'd say not a bomb i i love this movie i i think that you would have to be in our demographic to appreciate it though. Oh, you think so? I, I, I feel like maybe some has younger... Cameron seen it. Yes. That's loves a question. It. He loves okay, it. Your but he's kids cool. Are special. He's special though. I think that the general, your general audience might uh, still not come around on this one for like 10 years after they've, they've seen a thousand reboots of walking dead. <laughs> so that brings up a good question. <sighs> Can you enjoy it without knowing what it's satiring or referencing? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Brad, it's flashy. It's flashy. Okay. Brad is is uh, dead heat a bomb? Absolutely not. Okay. Not a bomb. Well, let's make it unanimous. <clears throat> Unanimously, it's not a bomb. I I do hope people just seek this one out. I know we talked in the last show that uh, it's Vinegar Syndrome has a nice 4K release of it. Um, it's almost sold out. Go, go buy it. There's so many special features on that too. So if you want to know, um, kind of what was done behind the scenes, they've got uh, uh, fantastic what? interviews and everything else. So it's, it's definitely worth a purchase, but you know, stream or if you're it. broke, you can stream it yeah. on Tubi, I think. Yeah. Check oh, man, it that out. That would be cool. See I, some of those extras. Go, yeah. Go watch this and watch uh, DOA from 1988 as well. I, I think it'd be a fun and go watch the original DOA. If you've never seen the original DOA, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's Troy. Really when am I supposed to sleep? <laughs> you're not gonna sleep. You don't sleep is overrated, man. When you when oh, you did so much. <laughs> Just look. Take the eight riff tracks movies okay. that you watch during the year. <laughs> I watch like every week. <laughs> Take two down, so you'll still watch six and the replace Samurai it with cop. two films. Okay, yeah, there you go, right. or three films because you got to put the cop. hidden as well. Samurai Samurai Cop was a great time. Oh. We should put that on a shirt, but Samurai Cop. <laughs> but Samurai Cop. Bladder. Samurai Cop says, respect my bladder. I like that. Respect it. Uh, hey, can we talk about what's going on over at Night of the Living Podcast? You've got another. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Wait, Brad, whoa, hold on. Whoa. whoa I totally we forgot. We invested all this money in a robot. We did. We did buy a robot a few days ago. Did you guys know this? No, I had no idea. Yeah. So um, Brad and I. What's going on? Yeah. We. 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 <sighs> we jumped on a bandwagon is what we did. So we said, okay, artificial intelligence is taking over and we're like, okay, let's, let's buy a robot and feed it all the data. And, uh, this, this conversation we just had was data and let's see what AI comes back with in terms of, Hey, is, is this film a bomb or not? (gasps) Oh yeah. So, so so Troy, when I was feeding in the data, I, I did know, notice that, uh, I think I accidentally hit the pro zombie button on this one. So that might, I I don't know, just a little bit of, 
there's got to be Full a week disclosure. where we just don't have a filter and we just I, I, I'm feed trying. it the raw data. Okay, I'm trying. All right, let me so put the quarters in. I'm putting the quarters in. Here we go. Okay. Uh, all right. Is it ready? Okay. Here we go. Hello, this is Robo Reviewer 1000. Beep boop beep. I am reporting in for not a bomb podcast. Dead Heat is a movie that has been praised by pro-zombie activists for its unique portrayal of zombies as individuals deserving of rights and respect. <laughs> the film challenges the traditional portrayal of zombies as mindless, soulless monsters and instead depicts them as complex beings with their own thoughts and desires. Throughout the movie, we see the two main characters, played by Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo, confront their prejudices against zombies and ultimately learn to see them as fellow beings with inherent worth and dignity. The film also highlights the systemic discrimination faced by zombies in society, including unequal access to health care and employment opportunities. As a pro-zombie activist group, we appreciate Dead Heat for its nuanced portrayal of the zombie community and its call for greater understanding and acceptance of this marginalized group. We hope that this movie can help to shift societal attitudes towards zombies and promote greater equality and justice for all beings, living or undead. <laughs> Overall, Dead Heat is a thought-provoking film that challenges our assumptions about zombies and encourages us to see them as individuals with their own stories and struggles. We highly recommend it to anyone who is interested in exploring issues of social justice and the rights of marginalized communities. W wow. Peaceful, I feel like, I feel like the Robo Reviewer is like another sentence away from saying zombie lives matter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, they really got something out of the movie that their AI that uh, I, nobody else did. Yeah, I did. Hey, okay, the hey, data doesn't lie. I guess the data yeah. doesn't lie. Um, when you when you put that filter on it, it kind of makes sense. Although Joe Piscopo, <laughs> yeah. Piscopo, Piscopo, okay, Joe Piscopo. That's how I'm gonna say his name now. Uh, Joe pee pee poo poo. <laughs> Joe pee pee poo. <laughs> pee pee poo poo man. Oh my god. Uh. <laughs> I'm in my forties. <laughs> Grown ass at all. It took wow. us a hundred minutes, but we got the pee pee. <laughs> yes, I thought I could help. Joe pee pee poo. And Sheet Williams. No. Oh, here we go. Boy, it just totally digressed. All right. Skeet Williams. You skeet, know it. Skeet, 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 skeet Williams. Skeet, 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 skeet Williams and Joe Poopy Poopy. I'm sorry. You, you and, we don't ever have to come back. Why are you here? Brad's dying. That's what we do. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. So, May, you're welcome. What's going on at NOTLP? You guys got another theme month, right? We do. Yes. We wanted to watch the movie Pin with Terry O'Quinn. Uh huh. Um, so we created a theme. Because it rhymed? Yes. Basically. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Basically. Uh, so we created Scream Kings. Um, mm. We have officially designated Terry O'Quinn as a Scream Queen King. Not a Cream King, which is what Freddie said we were doing. <laughs> oh, cream Kings. <laughs> Yeah. Skeet, Williams. Skeet Williams is a cream. <laughs> Although king. you looked up Skeet Williams in you to see if he had. Oh no, you were looking at um. There's got to be a porn star named Skeet yeah. Williams, right? There's gotta be. <laughs> now there is. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you put Skeet. it out to the world, man. Oh, that's found amazing. my next calling. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we talked about Pan and we got um, Barbarian with Justin Long. We've also designated him as a Scream King. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. They're just handing this title out to anybody over there. We're respecting our Scream Kings out here. I like yeah. it. I like that twist on it. Uh, going for the like the male version of the Scream Queen. Uh, yeah. So no, I get it. There's plenty of them out there. Now are you kidding? <laughs> What'd you say? Said so now he gets I get it. it. I get it now. Oh, he did it. Now they uh, try to explain it to me a hundred different ways. Oh, well, there you go. I'm glad we could help and put some clarity yeah, yeah. on that. I That's appreciate awesome. it. We, we love your guys' podcast. I, I love that you I do the themes. You. you guys are amazing. I love, we uh, love you. I, I love the 17 <laughs> years you put out there, man. That's a Thank lot of you. hard work. That is a lot it, of hard work. Not a minute was hard. It's a, it it's a calling, man. It's a calling. Well, get up every morning, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for the yeah, next 17. The donuts. I get up every afternoon and I shuffle. <laughs> shuffle. You don't 12 run. 12 feet to my workstation. <laughs> Podcasting is hard. You know. Clickety clack on some keys and you're like, yep, song done. <laughs> <laughs> Control S. See the, the AI made for me today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, zombie protest. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I join them in a walk. Brad, next week, it's kind of up in the air, isn't it? A little bit up in the air. We got some a, a guest coming on, and we need to confirm because um, our normal uh, recording day would be Sunday, and that would be Mother's Day, so we're trying to figure that out. Mm. But tentatively, we are going to do Masters of the Universe, but that could oh, subject to change. Subject to change. So what's Another that? Star Trek connection? I think Dolph Lundgren might be our unofficial mascot of the podcast. The patron saint of not a bomb. I feel like oh. we could do worse. Yeah. yeah, and we love God. He's sexy. Yeah, we're big he's great. Uh, love him. Uh, okay. Outside of NOTLP, what else should they be listening to, Brad? Yeah, that would be uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Watch Get Plus, the VHS Files, which they released an episode today on The Last Dragon. Troy and I were guests on that one. So go check out that episode on the VHS Files. Um, we also got the mixtape podcast and, oh, the Backlook Cinema podcast. Yes. So we're starting to put together, what's kind of crazy is, um, <laughs> Brad and I actually have movies listed for 2024 already. Dear uh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and Troy and I plan out a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's the thing we do for a living and it, it carries over to here. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I gotcha. so it's good. Cause if you're ever like pinned under a train or something and you're going to, you might die and they're like, you got something to Live for? focus on, man. What can you focus on? You're like, get my Google doc. Yeah. <laughs> got to get to that doc. Cause we've, we've, we've got a schedule to hit. Yeah. yeah. But and you're like, and then he miraculously survived. I, I will tell you this, um, this year, especially we've called a bunch of audibles and, uh, rearranged a bunch of stuff based on suggestions that have come through that have just been fantastic. So if you have something that you think, man, we have to talk about, cause it's definitely not a bomb. You can send it 18 to us. 18 wheels of justice. <laughs> we're just going to watch that TV show. We're just going to watch that TV show <laughs> and we're going to do a whole side podcast for that. Um, but, uh, Brad, how do they get a hold of us? Yeah, that's not a bomb pod at gmail.com, or you can head to not a bomb podcast.com and hit the contact us button or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Troy. Also yeah. another thing. Yeah. 
it's not 17 years, but we're coming up on our third year anniversary oh, wow. at the beginning of June. So if anyone wants to send out a special three year <sighs> anniversary, let uh, just, you know, use the uh, email address or the website that I just said. Oh, yeah. congratulations, guys. This is we I can't can, believe it's been three years already. A couple of three-nagers over here. Yeah. It, it, we're surprised it lasted as long as it did, I'll be honest, because it was just a little COVID project. But um, we're having fun with it, man. I mean, we're no 17 years, and um, you know, we walk out well, in public, and everybody knows who we are, like you guys. Too, you know. <laughs> um, COVID did some good things. Yeah. yeah there is silver lining. I, yeah. I, I will say this. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's just having this kind of connection, especially with like you guys, um, that's sort that's, of like a Miami connection, like a Miami. <laughs> connection. Oh my God. My father, yeah. my father, the fact that we can get together and, and pass laws, like respect my bladder, 2023, like my bladder. Yeah. Right. Um, that's where that's, that's what it's all about, honestly, but seriously, Changing the world for the better. We love you Friends guys. Forever. Dun, oh. dun, dun, hey, can you play that real quick? Can you do the version? <laughs> yeah. Cost a million dollars per play million dollars per play okay he's expensive uh what else brad am i missing anything uh no okay we're good hey you still got time for the next uh breaking brad for for those who haven't caught up if you're playing along this month you you need to go out and watch uh for your height only so (laughs) yeah you see you you did it sons of a bitches did it (laughs) so uh, you can find it. Trust me. You got to look, uh, but it, it's out there. There's a nice DVD set out there as well. It has an extra film on it, which is fantastic. Is there a, like a Bond style song in it? You've never seen it? Oh, man. No. I want to fly out there and just watch it with you guys because it'll blow your mind. Get I, I want to watch you watch that film because it's amazing. I, <laughs> I first saw it because I discovered a VHS tape copy of it in some like Kmart Walmart bin when they it wasn't being, on micro cassette. No, but oh my microfiche goodness. Uh, my, I just, I remember watching it for the first time and my brain just like can't process what I'm watching right now. <laughs> I should have said mini DV. Mini. That, that would have made more sense. That would have made more sense for video formatting. Yeah, but if if you want to play along, Troy will edit that out and put the good joke in there. Yeah. Yeah. is it on mini DV? Thanks, man. There is it on go. mini DV? Clean one. <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact. All right, that's all I got. Amy, Freddie, thank you so much. Thank you guys you for are having amazing. Us. So much fun. Cannot fun wait for you to come back. Pick a film, man. We'll squeeze it in. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Squeeze it. Yeah, we love you. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll have to think though because. I'm going to make it special. My brain's not working anymore. Okay. It quit on me. Make it special. Are you going to be at Whorehound? Uh, no, because uh, we're going to Italy. So when we Ooh. come back, Whorehound's like a couple of weekends, and I can't swing getting off work for that. They have better pizza in Italy than they do in Indianapolis, though. I'm going to go and find all the Dario Gento stuff I can for Brad and bring oh, it back be great. to him because he's such a fan. You can shove That's it on my awesome. ass. Oh no! <laughs> well, you can send it to me. Okay, I'll send it to you. That that works. Uh, folks, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Thanks for joining. Come back next week when hopefully we're talking about the patron saint of not a bomb, Dolph Lundgren. If not, we're still going to have some cool, so don't worry. But uh, we'll check you next week. Don't lose your head. <laughs> <laughs>